Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 1, Chapter 23, on thinking about death. Your time here is short, very short. Take another look at the way in which you spend it. Here man is today, tomorrow he is lost to view. And once a man is out of sight, it's not long before he passes out of mind. How dull they are, how obdurate those hearts of ours, always occupied with the present, instead of looking ahead to what lies before us. Every action of ours, every thought, should be those of a man who expects to die before the day is out. Death would have no great terrors for you, if you had a quiet conscience, would it? Then why not keep clear of sin, instead of running away from death? If you aren't fit to face death today, it's very unlikely you will be by tomorrow. Besides, tomorrow is an uncertain quantity. You have no guarantee that there will be any tomorrow for you. What's the use of having a long life if there's so little improvement to show for it? Improvement. Unfortunately, it happens only too often. The longer we live, the more we add to our guilt. If only we could point to one day in our life here that was really well spent. Years have passed by since we turned to God, and how little we can show, many of us, in the way of solid results. Fear death if you will, but don't forget that long life may have greater dangers for you. Well for you, if you keep an eye on your deathbed all the time, and put yourself in the right dispositions for death as each day passes. Perhaps before now, you've seen a man die. Remember then that you have got the same road to travel. Each morning, imagine to yourself that you won't last till evening. And when night comes, don't make bold promises to yourself of a new day. Be ready for it all the time. So live that death cannot take you unawares. Plenty of people die quite suddenly, without any warning. The Son of Man will appear just when we are not expecting him. And when that last hour comes, you'll find yourself taking a completely different view of the life that lies before you. How bitterly you will regret all that carelessness, all that slackening of effort. If you hope to live well and wisely, try to be, here and now, the man you would want to be on your deathbed. What will give you confidence then? The confidence which ensures a happy death. To have despised the world utterly, to have longed earnestly for advancement and holiness, to have loved discipline, to have taken penance seriously, to have obeyed readily, to have renounced self, to have put up with everything that was uncongenial to you, 
for the love of Christ. You see, there is so much that we can undertake while we are still in health. What will you be able to manage when illness comes? Illness doesn't often change people for the better, any more than going on pilgrimage makes saints of them. You will have friends and relations to pray for you? Don't, for that reason, leave the business of your soul to be settled later on. You will be forgotten sooner than you imagine. Better make provision now by opening a credit account for yourself than to trust in the good offices of other people. You, so unconcerned about yourself today, why should other people concern themselves about you tomorrow? No, here is the time of pardon. The day of salvation has already come. The more pity you should take, the more pity you should make so little use of it. Your opportunity for winning a title to eternal life. Sometime, you'll know what it is to wish you had another day, even another hour, to put your life straight. And will you get it? There's no saying. My friend, my very dear friend, only think what dangers you can avoid, what anxieties you can escape, if you will be anxious now, sensitive now, to the thought of death. Make it your business so to live today that you can meet death with a smile, not with a shudder when it comes. In that moment, if that moment is to be the beginning of a life with Christ, you must learn now to die to the world. If you are to find free access to Christ then, you must learn now to despise everything else. A body chastened by mortification means a soul that can face death with sure confidence. Poor fool, what makes you promise yourself a long life when there is not a day of it that goes by in security? Again and again, people who looked forward to a long life have been caught out over it, called away quite unexpectedly from this bodily existence. Nothing commoner than to be told in the course of conversation how such a man was stabbed, such a man was drowned, how one fell from a height and broke his neck, another never rose from table, Another never finished his game of dice. Fire and sword, plague and murderous attack. It's always the same thing. Death is the common end that awaits us all. And life can pass suddenly, like a shadow, when the sun goes in. Once you are dead, how many people will remember you? Or say prayers for you? To work, friend to work as best you may, since there is no saying when death will come. And what will be the issue of it? Hoard up, while there is still time, the riches that will last eternally. Never a thought but for your soul's welfare. 
never a care, but for God's honor. Make yourself friends now by reverencing God's saints and following their example. When your tenancy of this life is up, it is they who can give you the freehold of eternity. Live in this world like some stranger from abroad, dismissing its affairs as no concern of yours. Keep your heart free and trained up towards God in heaven. You have no lasting citizenship here. Heaven must be the home you long for daily with prayers and sighs and tears. If your soul after death is to find a happy passage to its master's presence. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, choices of priests, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is Thomas Kempis too fixated on death? Well, the answer is no. What he's fixated on is God. God's honor. Our soul's welfare. And he's talking in this chapter about a means towards heaven. He's talking about the means we should take to more easily get to heaven and to avoid all kinds of dangers. And the means that he's proposing in this chapter is to think about death. And why? Well, first of all, because it's going to happen to us. Because of original sin, death has entered the world. Death is natural, but by a special grace of God, Death was not going to take place except because we rebelled against God and therefore the body rebels against the soul, the powers of the soul rebel against the higher powers and the animals and nature rebel against us and bring forth thorns and thistles and diseases. And so through original sin, the natural condition of the body and soul now takes place. So, we should think about something that's inevitably going to happen. Why? Because death is our passage to eternal life. Because God the Son died for us on Good Friday. Because he took upon himself this punishment of sin. As though he were a sinner. He took on our punishment. He has transformed death into the gateway to eternal life. And so Thomas Kempis is proposing to us to think about death in light of God, to think about death in light of eternity. He doesn't want us to assume that our death is far off. Why? Because we have no way of knowing. We honestly don't know. We do not know the hour or the time. 
Blessed are those servants, Jesus has said in many in parables, who watches for his master's return, who keeps vigilant, who can open for him when he knocks. And fundamentally, what Thomas Kempis wants us to do is to be in a state of grace every day. He wants us to have a good conscience. That's the first and foremost thing. Because if we, if we go to bed in God's grace, then we can rest assured that we will eventually get to heaven, no matter what happens to us. But also, he's not just telling us to be in a state of grace. He wants us to change the way we think of death. He wants us to think about death as an opportunity to unite ourselves to Christ and to enter into heaven. And so his very interesting interpretation of the gospel, where our Lord says, make friends for yourselves with the mammon of iniquity. For if you make friends, then when it fails, they will receive you into eternal habitations. And usually this is thought to be making use of money, helping the poor, so that when your money fails, your life fails, those you've helped will receive you into heaven. But Thomas Akimbis is not denying that interpretation, but he's saying, make friends now with who? With the saints. The saints. That is the mammon of iniquity. That is the people who are of great value, but whom this world thinks are useless, who cast them aside. Make friends for yourselves with the saints in heaven so that when your life fails, they will receive you into eternal habitations. So tonight, if we find it scary to think a lot about death, if we find it hard to take this chapter to heart, then let us at least try to get closer to some saint, one saint we know, and ask that saint to pray for us. Ask that saint to help us to understand that death is closer than we realize. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.